and welcome back to the Film School for Marketers podcast. This is episode number 20. As always, I am one of your hosts, Zach Basner from Impact. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Mariah Anderson. Hi. I can't believe it's episode 20. Where did the time go? Big 2-0. Like just yesterday, we were <laughs> just podcast newbies trying to figure out how to record episode one, and now we're here on 20. Man. And we've learned a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. And we're actually here to share some of the stuff that we've learned recently. Last week, we had our major digital sales and marketing event called Impact Live 2019 in Hartford, Connecticut. And it was a super, super good time. Next year, it's going to be digital sales and marketing world. So if you haven't got your tickets yet, it's April 5th through the 7th in Hartford, Connecticut. So make sure you go and get your tickets for that. But we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about some of the amazing things that our very own Mariah Anderson did. Ooh. At 2019 this year. And it was a uh, kind of a, a lot of new things for you, Mariah. It was all of the new things, things I had never done before, but was super stoked about doing. The cool thing is, is that, see, you got to now get a glimpse into my world on the production yeah. side and you're already an expert on the one-to-one videos and using video on sales and all that stuff, but you got to see kind of the, the other side of things, which is production and being a great producer and all those things. It's a totally different ballgame. So we've really got three separate segments we can break this down into. The first thing would be what it was like working with an outsourced video crew of whom you were working with at Impact Live. We've got what it's like to work uh, as your first time as a producer with people who may or may not have been on camera before, maybe a little uncomfortable. And then what it's like to get customer testimonials at a live event, which is something that many of our listeners probably are either doing right now or will be doing at some point in the future. So I think the first thing, let's just start with, uh, with what it's like getting customer testimonials because not many people have experience doing this. So like, what are some of the major things, Mariah, that you noticed just in like how you were setting those up or how you were conducting those interviews? What are some of the major things you learned? Yeah. So I tried my best before the event to get these scheduled so that It was in between sessions that I knew for sure. Like these are the different clients that we have that we can interview. These are different industries that we work with. Like I wanted it to be like a really strategic approach in who I was talking to with the thought that probably at the event too, I'll get people, you know, they get pulled my way to do it. Uh, I can tell you, it was definitely much harder to kind of pre-schedule those than I anticipated, which not going to lie, that made me pretty nervous because when I think of like an event, I think of no one really having the time to, to come do these interviews um, or it just not being the best uh, setup or scenario. Um, but it actually ended up working up really well. I, you know, during registration, um, you know, we could see who's a client of ours, who's not. And the team did a really good job of saying, Hey, you're a client. Like, would you be open, open to signing up for a client testimonial? And we made it easy in terms of like, we had a link. Um, we use Acuity to do like signups. And that way it was really easy to be like, here's a time block that I want. This is where I go. This is how long it is. Um, and so we got some scheduled there. And also I feel like did a good job of during the event, if people ran into, individuals on the floor and they were talking about how great of a time they were having, they'd be pulled over to me. So it's so funny how I think I was so concerned about the organization of it and there being enough time in the day to get everything we needed and the testimonials. And it honestly just really worked out. Like 
in each day, it just kind of all fell together uh, and nothing was super crowded or, or terrible. Um, but my one piece of advice for my former self or my future self is to not get so wrapped up, I think, in how perfectly the day could go. I think it all ends up working itself out. Um, and especially at a really busy event, like you're going to have additional people that you didn't even think about that are going to want to do testimonials. And that's okay. Uh, you'll figure it out and, and make it work. So we had we had a, a kind of spot already set up with yeah. a crew that we that that's where you were working, and essentially other team members would bring you clients or attendees or things like that, and you were just ready already set up ready to go. You knew what the questions were going to be. Acuity is the thing that we used to schedule all of that, which is pretty cool. I guess we'll drop a link for that in the yeah. show notes in case anybody wants to check that out. Yeah. And I had the list of questions beforehand that I knew I wanted to ask. So we broke it up actually. So I think we're unique in the sense that, I mean, we run this large event and we also wanted to take advantage of the fact that we had clients at the event. So I wanted to, from a marketing perspective, you know, get some testimonials from clients because, you know, we do our best to try to go out to people and get things recorded. But hey, like if I have people in one room, I'm going to want to try to get some snippets if I can. Um, And so I broke up the questions in terms of like their experience during the event, what they were getting from it, and then the client testimonial side of things. So I had those ahead of time. Um, although I think when I first started doing it, I, I used it as my security blanket a little bit and felt like I was sticking to the questions. And I, I started to feel that I could dive much deeper and probably get some more great answers by not sticking to the script. And so that really helped a lot, feeling the flexibility of being able to just have a normal conversation and really... Um, let the person tell their story of whether it be their experience at Impact Live or their experience working with us. Um, Just having a natural conversation, I think really uh, got us some really great footage. I really tried to tie it back to how am I going to use this? Is this going to be in ads that we're using? Is this going to be in promotional material? Is this going to be on our website, like small snippets of client testimonials? And that really drove the questions I was asking in terms of how that was going to be utilized and used. So I would highly suggest beforehand thinking about why am I even doing this and how is this going to be used? Because the worst thing you could do is, you know, get close to that event you're going to have, or maybe like a service you want to promote and be like, man, I wish I would have asked that, um, or got, or got this footage of this client, um, or of this event. One of the things I did not do so well on (laughs) is I relied on the fact that I asked the people to say their name and their title and the company that they were with. And realized after the fact, as I'm, you know, working with Megan, who does our editing, uh, that that's not so helpful. That it would have been much more helpful for as I was doing these videos to write down all of that information so that I could be used um, throughout the videos. And instead of her trying to butcher and guess how a name is spelled <laughs> or, you know, any of that information, I didn't think about that, which um, is going to add more time now to the whole process. Yeah, there's nothing more precious to people than their name. And especially, you know, if you're asking them to to take time to do this for you, you don't want them to feel any sort of like offense because you spelled their name wrong or, or you didn't include it or something like that. Major lessons there are don't be afraid to ask people to talk about their experience or your company or whatever. Like, just don't be afraid to ask. People are, sometimes are more than willing to, to help. And if they're not, then that's fine. That's totally fine. Make sure that you write people's names down. Uh, and use some sort of something to schedule this stuff out with. So, mm-hmm. you know, try to optimize the the time that you have, have everything set up and ready to go, but then schedule and then have the flexibility also because you have a schedule to bring people over and work them in, in between shoots. So that's really cool. Now, in this particular case, you weren't working with impact 
videographers because they were like running around covering the event. So we actually had brought in some outsourced videographers and that's a whole different ball game. So what were some of the things that you learned through working with them? I think that I took for granted that, um, that because these were professional, you know, people who were coming in and shooting the event that they didn't need much direction. But I think that they definitely needed more from me than I anticipated, you know, whether it be in terms of how often we switch up like the backgrounds and the scenery for the interviews that we're doing. Um, you know, looking back as well, like some of the feedback I got from our team with some of um, the way that the video was shot wasn't maybe great in terms of the format and the way that certain people were like framed. And I didn't even think necessarily to look at that or to know that I needed to be involved from that perspective. So there's a lot of things that just going into it, I wasn't aware that, you know, it was also my responsibility to, to take a look at. And I think that, you know, I get spoiled a little bit with like the really great team that we have and not having to worry about it, but that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah. I mean, it's natural for mistakes to happen, right? It's going to happen with anything, but I mean, to your point, no one's going to care about your business and about that, that end product like you like your team. And so I would say anytime you're working with an outsourced videographer, videography team, check in on things, look at things. Don't be, a, it's not going to hurt anything for you to like double check and, and look at the shots and, and see if you're happy with it. In fact, they'll probably appreciate that mm-hmm. because they might not know something that you know, they, they might not know you have a certain expectation. And so don't be afraid whether it's at an event like this, or if you're bringing somebody in to shoot videos for you, don't be afraid to, you know, get behind the camera and see what it looks like. And if there's something that you don't like, don't be afraid to speak up about it. Like that's, you know, it can't be fixed later. So it's good just to speak up and talk about that. Was there anything else that you learned in working with these, these outsourced videographers besides the fact that we have an awesome team at impact? (laughs) Well, I want to say they were, they were amazing too. Like the fact that they, uh, dealt with me not probably knowing as much as I could have known was was pretty great. And I do think they took the lead on some things that I wouldn't have even thought about. Like for instance, I wasn't just in charge. So I learned of like, you know, getting the client testimonials, but also just footage of the event as well. And, you know, I think they did a good job of being like, well, did we get, you know, video footage of our sponsors doing demos? Did we do this or that? So that was good. And that's stuff I should have thought of beforehand to to be honest as well as not just the interviews I was doing, but like what footage needs to go along with the interviews? Like how can we make that more in depth? You know, if we're interviewing a sponsor, what's additional footage that we can get of the sponsor interacting? So um, I think thinking through more strategically rather than in the spot being like, Oh man, you're right. <laughs> I should have gotten yeah. that. Um, something I did, and this might be more so along, along the lines of preparing for interviewing people. Something else that I did learn I, w- I wanted to touch upon is at some point I wanted to take advantage of um, at the end of the day during cocktail reception, like grabbing people and doing um, interviews. And my advice would be at the end of a really long day, like do not do interviews. <laughs> like people were exhausted, uh, didn't have much to say, weren't as probably like excited and caffeinated as they would have been in the morning. And I really was excited to walk around and like get some really great. Um, footage of people coming out of you know their day of sessions, but honestly, uh, that wasn't the best footage. Like I should have thought that through more. And so the next day, I came in and was like, okay, let's do this in the morning from a recap of the last day. Um, but keeping people's energy levels in mind. Yeah, that's tough. 
you can't really do much about that. Like if people are uh-huh. tired and they have had a long day, there's not really much you can do to, to get them all pepped up unless, you know, it's, it's a really happy hour. Then you never know, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Those were the experiences we were in office all, all week during the event. And so yeah. we had the two days of the event and man, you were just going crazy. Like I didn't even really see that much. You were just doing so many interviews and, and everything. So that was at the event. And then later on, considering we had everybody from impact in the office, we were like, this is a great opportunity to get some product service page videos that we needed for, for our website at impact. And so we had called on some subject matter experts from the agency to make those videos. So tell us a little bit about what that process was like leading up to those shoots and then kind of what you learned, not necessarily mistakes, but just kind of like what you learned throughout the process of doing this. Well, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have uh, the advice of Zach through the planning process of figuring this all out. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we're going through a website redesign right now and we're launching new services. So obviously there's this need for us having video. Um, And you know, I started out my process by getting together my scripts and working with our product owners of each of the services and then making sure the right parties were involved in terms of approvals. Because as we've talked about before, and as we've even seen it impact, if you don't have the right parties in place, and then you basically, um, like the worst thing that we could have done is use all of this time that we had with people being in office, which is not necessarily case that often and record all this great video footage and then find out it wasn't approved. Like that would have been the worst thing ever. (laughs) So I made extra sure that everything was approved, but um, it was interesting leading up to it as well, because I don't think I noticed people's anxiety about recording these videos until day of like people, you know, we would talk via Slack and they would feel good. People were really anxious about it. Um, day of for recording. Um, and something that I did, and I remember telling you Zach, I was going to do it. And apparently it worked because people mentioned it is I, to get people to like loosen up and chill out a little bit. I asked them what their pump up song was and I played it and got them like dancing around and into it. And then we recorded the video and at least one of the people said to me that was like definitely helped. I think they told you too. <laughs> but um it helped lose. Well, see, that's that's your thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't if I did that, people would be like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? Like I that, I do different things to make people comfortable when I'm the producer. What do you do? Well I just I make conversation with them and I get them laughing and you know I, I just try to get their minds off of which is what you're doing too. You're trying to get their minds off of the fact that they're doing this really nerve wracking thing that yeah. they're not used to doing. Uh, but for me, it's not music for me. It's like, you know, continuing the relationship that I already have with them or building a new relationship through conversation. So that's, that's what works for me. That's what works for you. So, I mean, the lesson there is that, you know, find the thing, if you're a producer who's watching this, find the thing that is going to help you build the most rapport with that subject matter expert, or just the thing that's going to get their mind off of I'll give you a good example. Uh, one of the videographers we work with at a company called lazy boy Southeast he like tells stupid jokes, like jokes that are like really bad dad jokes. I've seen footage of these and they're really bad jokes, but it, it's hilarious. And he is one of the most talented individuals at getting people comfortable on camera. And it's because he's discovered his thing for loosening people up. So I think it's awesome. So I also noticed that if some people, so the product owners were supposed to like own the scripts, right? Like they wrote it, uh, they did outlines of it and then it was approved. But some people um, 
you know, I, I came to find out maybe didn't write their outlines or their scripts. And I definitely saw a correlation between the struggle of people who didn't write their own scripts versus the people who did. And I mean, that plays such a heavy role. So if like you're a company who is working on scripts, I think there's a power to having the person actually write it. And it's not necessarily something that they're going to memorize, but you know, they don't have the scripts in their hands. It's not on a teleprompter, but it's something I have in my hands and I use it as a way to um, ask questions that are going to get them to think through the bullet points that they had and like act as kind of a trigger. And if they didn't write it, like they're not going to have that, that correlation. And I feel like they're going to be a little bit more all over the place. Yeah. These, these product owners are the subject matter experts of their of their thing. So they were literally the most qualified people that, that we have to be in the video, to, to generate the content for the video, but also to be in the video itself. That said, so it sounds to me like some of those product owners had influence from elsewhere, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's a good thing, but not necessarily for when you're shooting video. It really should be things that they're familiar with and things that they're comfortable with and being in their own words and and to your point, they're going to be sitting there reciting the thing in their head, trying to think of the next word that was on the page and not thinking about, well, I remember the point that I wanted to make here. I remember the thing that I wanted to make sure I got across here. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a huge problem in many cases where an organization will be so adamant that this is the way that we talk about the thing. You've got to, you've got to change this in your video. You've got to be sure to say this. Well, that's fine that that you have a certain way of talking about it, but don't wait until you're recording videos to, to have, you know, a shared doctrine across your team. That that should happen beforehand, and then it naturally works its way into video. I see a lot of teams struggle with this, where there's maybe a member of leadership or maybe a whole a whole group of people within an organization that, you know, this is this is how we have to communicate it, and they don't trust their staff to to come up with the right words and explain things. But look. If they're the subject matter expert, if they're the foremost, you know, leader and they're the most qualified to be in that video, then we we have to give them an element of trust, and we have to let them talk about things or say things in their own words, or else you're going to have this this situation. It's interesting you say that because actually that was something I was really concerned about when I was setting this up, and I know I messaged you about it like a couple times that you know, there with any company, you know, as you're putting together your service offerings, there's a certain way you talk about it on your site. There's a certain way you talk about it in sales conversations. And um, especially as we are offering new services, it's something that we're all kind of learning through right now and how we position it and how we talk about it. And there is also the pressure from services to be like, you need to get this the right way in terms of messaging, which makes all of the sense. And so I think I was a little internally concerned about you know, I made it a point to say, please, please, please do not memorize <laughs> these scripts. These scripts are for us to be able to go off of something and have this conversation, but not for you to verbatim say these things. And I was so stressed about the fine line between I need them to say things this way, but I can't have them read this off the page. And it ended up working working out really well. And I think it's because exactly what you said, we've done a good job as an organization, like really focusing on how we talk about this with our clients. And, and that's what I said during the videos too. Like, how would you, how would you talk about this to your client? Like, don't think about this as like, you're, you know, you're having to perfect this and do this in front of a camera a certain way. Like, talk to me like I'm your client. Like, how would you talk to me about this offering and how it's going to help me? And I think that that really helped out in the way that um, people communicated it. You bring up such a great point too. And so I'll go down this, this uh, trail for a second. And the way that you said that, how would you how would you talk to a client? That is is better advice than saying, no, you need to say it like this. 
give them the things that they need to think about in order to change the way they're saying it rather than the actual things to say. So for example, I spoke with a number of those people who were going to be on camera actually right before they jumped on, which could have been part of the problem as well. But <laughs> I, I told them, this is what I want you to think about. I want you to think that you're speaking to a sales manager. I want you to think that you're talking to a marketing manager. They speak differently than the content manager or then the videographer or, or whatever the case might be. It was, it was different in every case with each product owner, but I didn't, I wasn't going to give them the things to say. I just said, think about it as if you're speaking to this person and they naturally were able to change the way that they, they said their message based on that feedback, which is, I just need to think about who I'm talking to. And that is way better and more constructive than saying, here's the actual things that you need to say. Does that, is that making sense? It does. And I love that you said that. And I didn't know you were doing that, but uh, it works out really well because, you know, one of the main things I made a note for myself to talk about was how, as they're talking about these service offerings, how does this connect to generating more revenue? I was like, at the end of each of the things, like think about like it needs to tie back to that and how it's going to help that company grow. And the better way to do that is exactly what you did. And it's like, who cares about that most? CFO, business owner. How do you speak to them about it? And you naturally do that. So I love that. I, you know, think about that as, as a marketer, as a sales professional doing these videos and thinking through how you're going to help the person in front of the camera talk about who they're speaking to and allow that to drive the conversation. I think that's fantastic. Well, I appreciate you being willing to talk about all of these things that you learn over the course of being a producer. I mean, I still learn things when I'm in that role. And so if any of you have any questions about what any of us learned from the event. Maybe you're getting ready to have an event or you're getting ready to have a big shoot at your office and you want to run things past us. Make sure you hit up Mariah and I. We'd be happy to help you out with those things. But before we bring this episode home, I do have one thing that I want you all to know about. And that is, as I alluded to in the beginning of this episode, digital sales and marketing world is next April. It is an event designed for teams. The only event designed specifically for teams. This is designed not for just the marketing team. It's for leadership. It's for sales. It's for the videographers, for the content manager. It's for everybody who really affects revenue. And if you'd like to learn more about this, we invite you to go to digitalsalesandmarketingworld.com to learn more. It is, I promise, one of the best investments you can make in 2020. And we, we're going to have early bird pricing and everything like that. Whenever you're listening to this, make sure you get on the website and see what that pricing is. But I highly encourage you to not only consider attending yourself, but also to bring your team. It's one of the best things you could do, like I said, in 2020. So make sure you check that out. Also, make sure you tune in next Tuesday for a brand new episode of the Film School for Marketers podcast. Like, subscribe, do all those things. We love them. And until we see you next week, keep learning. <laughs>